So it's a little town. Little town with a barber. And he's the only barber in town. And he's feeling generous. He's thankful for all he's got. He's feeling generous one day. And as he's cutting hair, the local cop comes in. Now, this is how small the town is. There is a cop. Okay, so there's like a cop. And the, the cop comes in. And the cop has a seat in the barber chair. And the barber says to him, says, you know, I, I'm really thankful for the way you protect our town. I'm, I'm really grateful for the, the hard work you put in and the great job you do. And I'm, I want to give you a free haircut. Cop says, well, thank you. Thanks. The next day, the barber shows up at the barber shop, and there's a dozen donuts waiting for him. Now, don't correlate cops with donuts, okay? <laughs> so um, later that day, the local florist comes in. And the florist has a seat in the barber chair, and the barber says to the florist, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really generous, and I really appreciate the hard work you do here in our town. You do landscaping for the town for free, and you, you put uh, flowers all over the place, and you just make the town look really nice, and, and I really appreciate all that you do, and, and because I'm feeling generous, I want to give you a free haircut. Florist says, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Next day, the barber shows up at the barber shop, and there's a dozen roses waiting for him. Huh. That's really nice. Well, later that day, the preacher comes in. Preacher from the local church comes in, has a seat in the barber chair. The barber says to the preacher, says, you know, I really appreciate all the hard work you do. You work with the kids in our community. You make this a better place to live. And you have a soup kitchen at your church. And I just really appreciate all that you do. And, and for all you do, I'm, I'm feeling really generous. And so I'm going to give you a free haircut. Preacher says, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. The next day, the barber goes to the barber shop, and there are 12 preachers waiting outside. <laughs> ah, you see what I did there? Huh? Yeah. Ah. Well, it's Thanksgiving week here in America. In these United States, we celebrate the fourth Thursday of every November. We celebrate Thanksgiving, and we gather together with our friends and family to give thanks to God for all that he has done, for the blessings of this last year. Some people look at this as a real opportunity to thank God for, for what he's done in their lives. Other people look at it as uh, Black Friday Eve, uh, the, the day to go out and, and go shopping. And, and, of course, now the big controversy is that some of these stores are opening on Thanksgiving itself. I don't know what you call the, the day before Black Friday. Um, I don't know, but uh, it's, 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 it's a huge controversy. Anyway... Uh, I, I saw this sign I wanted to share with you. It says, only in America, uh, Black Friday, because only in America, people trample others for sales exactly one day after being thankful for what they already have. So, <laughs> sad but true. Terrible. Anyway, um, like I said, uh, the big controversy is, is people uh, going on Thursday, you know, not even pausing to give thanks, but just to get the sales. Well, this morning we're going to continue in our series called Elemental Trust, and we're looking at three different aspects of our lives in which we need to trust God, uh, our, our time, our treasure, and our talent. Last week we talked about our time and how we need to be generous with our time and investing our time in the kingdom of God for things that really matter and things that really last, that last for all eternity. Today we're going to talk about our treasure and the resources and the gifts that God has given us and how we need to be generous with what God has generously provided for us. And we need to be generous toward God with the blessings he provides. Now, next week we're going to 
finish this brief three-week series as we talk about our talents and the abilities and the things that God has given us uh, in order to be used for his kingdom, for building up his kingdom. Um, So today we're talking about being blessed for generosity. And we're going to look at two main passages of Scripture. Uh, the first is in the book of Matthew, and the second is in the book of Second Corinthians. And we're going to look at these two passages that talk about how we, are, how we need to be generous people. We need to be generous with what God has provided for us. Um, we need to, we're going to talk about giving. And I know you may be thinking, oh, great, here we go. It's church. We're talking about money. That's all the church has ever want. All they ever want is my money, right? Well, no, we don't do that here. We don't talk about giving very much. Um, we talk about it on occasion because the Bible talks about it. And when we come to a passage that talks about giving, we talk about giving. So today is one of those days. It's Thanksgiving time, and it's kind of a typical time of year when churches talk about finances. So we're going to talk about it today, but we're not talking about your wallet We're not talking about your finances. We're going to talk about your heart. We're going to talk about our hearts and why we give or why we don't give. And that's what we're going to focus our time on this morning is is why we do give or why we don't. And we're talking about our hearts and the state of our hearts. Now, if you grab your Bible or if you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the pew in front of you. Turn to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 9, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. We're going to be in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. And we're going to read that passage. Uh, I'm sorry, not Matthew 6, 9 through 15. Matthew 6, 19 through 34. I don't know what I'm doing. Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Yeah, take a breath. Thank you. And then we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 15. So I'll get this together. Um, So we're going to look first at Matthew uh, chapter 6. Uh, grab your Bible, grab your bulletin, turn to page 3 to the handy-dandy outline. There, page 3 of your bulletin. You'll find an outline there. You can fill in some blanks. And the first blank on your outline is God will provide, so do not worry. God will provide, so do not worry. And we're going to look at this passage in Matthew, Matthew 6, 19 through 34, in two different chunks. The first chunk is verses 19 through 24. And uh, let's look at that. Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we're talking about the things in which we spend our money and our resources. Uh, And I believe that here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us that the things in which we spend our money and resources reveal a lot about our hearts. They reveal where our hearts are, that if we are investing our money and resources in the things of God and the things of his kingdom, it reveals a heart that is truly in tune with God's heart. But if we spend our resources and our money only on ourselves, it reveals a very selfish heart. We are to invest our treasures, invest the things that we have been given into God's kingdom, because God is the one who provides God is the one who gives us the treasures that we have. God is the one who gives us our resources. And he expects us to return them, a portion of them, to him for the building up of his kingdom. We'll talk about that for a little while. Um, What our hearts treasure 
is revealed, I think, in two ways. One is our bank account. Your checkbook will reveal where your heart is. And the other is, I use my phone, my calendar reveals where my heart is. The things on which I spend my time and my money reveal a lot about my heart. So uh, let's say you are really into um, entertainment. Let's say you're really into entertainment. And so you've got a cable bill, uh, you've got an internet bill because you can watch videos and pictures of cats online and things. So you're really into entertainment and uh, you spend your time in front of the TV, you spend your time in front of the internet, uh, and uh, you are really into entertainment. That tells you what your heart values. Your heart values entertainment. Uh, maybe, how many of you like to read? You got readers? Okay, a lot of you like to read. Great. Uh, reading is, is knowledge and knowledge is power. Um, knowing is half the battle, G.I. Joe. Um, Remember when the kids in the game, the TV show? Yeah. Um, so um, if you really value reading, uh, you're going to spend a lot of money on Amazon.com. You're going to spend a lot of money. You're going to spend a lot of your time reading books. You're going to spend a lot of money at the bookstore. You're going to spend a lot of money uh, online uh, ordering books. Uh, if you value sports, how many of you value sports? Yeah. I, I know. Uh, I spend a lot of time uh, obsessing over the activities of other people on football fields. Uh, much, much, much too much time. And, and like a man cave. I don't have a man cave, but I, uh, my office is kind of my man cave. And you walk into my man cave in my office. Uh, and the first thing you notice is all the papers all over the desk. The second thing you notice is that I'm a fan of sports. Like teams that most of you don't like. Okay, I won't even go there. But uh, you'll see all my Packers stuff and my Notre Dame stuff and my White Sox stuff. And, and it's all over the place. And it's like, man... You must really value sports, and sadly, I do. Um, but uh, if you value, um, how many crafters do we have? Like scrapbooking and knitting and stuff like that. Okay. If you really value crafts, then you spend your time and you really spend a lot of your money at Hobby Lobby, right? And, and, so, and we mention Hobby Lobby because it's owned by Christian people, and it's closed on Sundays. So we can talk about Hobby Lobby. Um, because you can't go there, and I won't make you jealous for Hobby Lobby today, or Chick-fil-A, because that's also... Anyway, um, but the reason that it's important to, re- to reveal what our hearts um, are really value, and, and the reason that we need to examine our hearts and examine what we spend our time and money on, is because uh, God tells us that we cannot serve two masters. We can only serve one master, and so you, you'll either love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or you will love money and yourself more than God. But you can't serve both. You can't have it both ways. Uh, you can't have a, a, a vanilla chocolate swirl froyo of serving God and money. It, it doesn't happen that way. You have to choose one or the other. You're either going to love God with everything you've got, or you're going to love money. But Jesus says you can't serve both. And the reason that you can't serve both is because both make demands of your energy, of your resources, and your time. They both require sacrifice. Money requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice of time, requires sacrifice of energy, requires sacrifice of, of uh, resources. That in order to get more money, you've got to work harder and you've got to put more time in it. Money uh, will, never, will never, ever let go of you. If you. It's not that you have money, it's money has you. And if you love money more than you love God, then you don't love God. That's what Jesus says. And so we need to... Uh, figure out where our loyalty lies. We need to figure out where our allegiance lies. And so you either love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or you love money with everything you've got, but you can't have it both ways. 
and only one way gets to heaven. So make the wise choice. Let's also look at Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about worry for just a moment. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The things of this world are only temporary. Let's face it, they're only temporary. So why do we worry about them? And we do worry. We worry a lot about the things of this world, don't we? And, and, and we worry about things like clothing. Okay, I worry a lot about clothes. I, I like clothing. I'm, I, it's my confession. I love clothes. Um, but I worry about clothes. And here's the problem with worrying about clothes, okay? A, clothes go out of fashion. You know, five years ago, it was boot-cut jeans, right? Fancy, it's just a modern way of saying bell-bottoms. So, like five, seven years ago, everybody's wearing boot-cut jeans. And now what are we doing? It's, it's like I'm in high school again. We're, like, got the tight ankles, and we're rolling them up. My goodness, when, when did, why did this come back? Just don't tell me acid wash is coming back next, okay? I can't do that. Um, but, uh, you know... The other thing we worry about, so we'll worry about clothes, and clothes either go out of fashion or, 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 or we spend too much time at the dinner table at Thanksgiving and the holidays. Anyone? Am I the only one? No. And, and you try to get your jeans buttoned up again? <gasps> it doesn't work. So either clothes go out of fashion or we get too big for them and we can't afford. And then, and, you know, everything that we went out and spent everything on last year no longer fits or is no longer in style. So we got to go out and spend more money on fashionable clothes and clothes that fit this year. And we wonder why we don't have any money. Or food. We'll worry about food. I don't have enough groceries. If I were to go to your pantry right now and I open it up, would, I, would the cupboard be bare, Mother Hubbard? If I went to your, how many of you go out to your fridge and like open it up and just stare? Hmm. Nope, nothing in there. Time to go out. And we do that. We have a fridge full of food. I have a freezer full of food. Open up the freezer. Mm, don't want to eat any of that stuff. Slam. Olive Garden it is. Why do we do that? And so what do we do? We go out and we drop, you know, 60, 70, 80 dollars on a meal that we really can't afford uh, that to, you know, for w- food that is just barely warmed up. Mm, I won't tell you about my last experience at the restaurant I just mentioned. Um, but we go to the restaurant and, and we, we, we pay three times as much for something that we could have fixed for like $1.99 at home. And we wonder why we don't have any money. Or entertainment or all the things that we spend our money on. We spend it on so many things that just don't last. And like I said, the things in this world are temporary and we worry about them so much. Jesus says you can't even add a single hour to your life by worrying. In fact, science has shown us that if we worry, not only do we rob ourselves of quality of life, we actually rob ourselves of quantity of life. Worrying leads to stress. Stress leads to heart attacks. Heart attacks lead to hospital bills, which leads to more stress and yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden now we're worrying for nothing. 
and we worry and we worry and we worry and we worry. We worry about clothes, we worry about food, we worry about everything, and it does us no good. I, I read once a great quote that worrying is a lot like banging your head against the wall. It only feels better when you stop. And that's a lot of truth to that. It only feels better when you stop. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. God knows what they need and he provides for them. And, and then he asks a, a wonderful question. Are you not much more valuable than they? Of course you are. Jesus didn't die for the birds of the air. He didn't die for the flowers of the fields. He died for you. And he died for me. That's how valuable you are to your heavenly father. That he sent his son to die for us. That is the value that we have. And then look at verse 32. Just real quick. Look back at verse 32. This is the key. Your heavenly father, the second half of the verse, your heavenly father knows that you need them. All the things you're worried about, your heavenly father knows that you need them. So quit worrying because God knows what you need. If you will seek the things of heaven, he will give you the stuff of earth that you need. Problem is, we don't always know what we need. Oh, we know what we want. We want the latest and the greatest and the fashionable and the, and the most expensive. And we want that stuff. But we have a miscon misconception of what we need. What we need is uh, what we get uh, on a daily basis. What we need is what God provides. And so if we will trust God today and stop worrying about tomorrow, because Jesus says tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust God today. Seek him first and he will provide for your needs. How many of you have seen God provide for your needs in the past? That you can honestly say, that was God. I didn't know how I was going to make ends meet, but that was God. I knew, I know that it was God who provided for it. And, you know, and I know that God, God provides for our needs. And I know, like I said, I know that times are tough. I know that that NIPSCO bill is due. I know that that mortgage is due. I know that the groceries aren't going to buy themselves. But I know that these, when I worry about these things, it's because I'm spending too much time looking at this. And not much time, not enough time looking up. I'm looking at the checkbook more than I'm looking at Jesus. I'm looking at my Quicken uh, account on my computer more than I'm looking at my Savior, more than I'm looking at God. And that's when I start to worry the most is when I look at the bottom line instead of looking uh, at my Heavenly Father. Because He knows what I need and He knows uh, how to provide for me. I don't need to be focused on the dollars and the cents. I need to be focused on the things of God. I need to keep my eyes on Jesus because God knows what I need and he will provide. And God knows what you need and he will provide if you will put your faith and trust in him and trust him to provide for your needs. And God has promised that he will provide for our needs when we seek him first. He has provided over and over and over again in spite of my errors in judgment, in spite of my poor choices that I've made financially, in spite of my worry, in spite of my fears, in spite of my failures. God has provided over and over again in spite of, in spite of impulse buying trips to the, to the store or money wasted on fast food. Oh, my friends. I quit eating out so much. And I, I stopped going to uh, the arches so much, so much so that I believe that their stock went down. Because I used to spend so much on Big Macs. Oh, they're so good. They're so yummy. They're so bad for me. But why do I love them so much? And I'll tell you why. It's power. It's control. 
I have this money. I'm going to go buy what I want. I'm going to go eat what I want. I don't care how bad it is for me. I don't care how nasty this food is for me. I'm going to go buy it and eat it with a large fry and a supersized Diet Coke because that covers all the fat. <laughs> Takes it all away. Why? And yet, I wonder, why don't I have any money? Because I'm dropping six bucks at McDonald's every day. I, I don't do that, by the way. Not anymore. I used to. Oh. And yet God has provided time and time and time again. Can you say the same about your life? That God has provided for you time and time and time again? Of course you can. Because we've seen him do it. I just asked you. You raised your hands. Yes, God has provided over and over and over again. So how do we respond? How do we respond to God's faithful provi provision? Generosity. That's the second blank on your outline. We're going to flip over to 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. But God has provided, so we are to be generous. The second blank on your outline, God has provided, so be generous. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and, and they had promised to send a, a gift, a, a monetary gift to Paul for the work of the kingdom, uh, for the work of the church. And, and so he tells them, he's reminding them of this gift. And then he says in verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul was teaching about the importance of generosity toward God. Like I said, the Corinthians had promised to send a large gift, a generous gift to Paul for his ministry. And soon he was going to collect from them what they had promised to give to the kingdom. And then Paul gives them some principles to keep in mind when it comes to generosity and giving. I believe that there are three of them. The first is that giving comes from the heart, not from the wallet. Giving comes from the heart not from the wallet. Uh, in verse 7, he says that we should decide in our hearts what we want to give. Now, he doesn't, go, doesn't stick to the hard and fast rule of a 10% tithe that is found in the Old Testament. He says to be generous. He, he gives a new principle of generosity. So he doesn't say, give your 10%. Because you know why? Because rules can be followed, but they are often followed reluctantly or under compulsion. That's why he says, decide in your hearts, be a cheerful giver, don't worry about the rules, but be generous. And I believe that generosity goes above and beyond 10%. You have to decide in our hearts what we're going to give. Now, don't get me wrong, 10%, a tithe, uh, is a great guideline. It is a great place to start in our giving when it comes to giving. Uh, but I, like I said, a hard and fast rule like a tithe can often uh, uh, descend into rule following 
uh, and it can be followed, but it'll be followed begrudgingly. God said to give a tithe, so I guess I better give one. God said he wants my 10%, so I I, I guess I better give it to him. No, Paul says that we should give to God's kingdom generously and cheerfully. That we should be excited about giving because of the, what God is going to do with the gifts that we give. And I believe that God can do amazing things, even with the little gifts that we give, that God can do awesome things with it. You know, we, are, uh, we have been enriched. We have been given uh, blessings and treasure, and we have been given these things uh, to store up treasures in heaven, to truly do what matters for eternity, to help people follow Jesus. Because when people start following Jesus, they go to heaven. And when you know that what you're giving is going to help people get to heaven, that gives you joy. That gives you a great reason. It's like, I want to give to God's kingdom because I know it's going to help people follow Jesus. And more people who follow Jesus are more people who go to heaven. You know, and so um, every dollar that you give goes to that purpose, to helping people follow Jesus. Uh, It may be in paying the utilities so that we have a warm building in which to worship on Sunday mornings or a warm building in which to uh, have Bible studies. Uh, It may go toward um, our our salaries for our staff. It may go towards our missions. Ten percent of every dollar given goes to missions so that people around the world hear the good news of Jesus Christ and how he died for their sins. Uh, It could be through our benevolence and our outreach, through the holiday food baskets. Money that's given to that uh, goes towards feeding people at this time of year and helping people in times of need. When we invest generously in God's kingdom, he multiplies and blesses the gifts that are given so that more people hear about Jesus and more people praise God. And anything that causes more praise to be given to God and more thanks to be given to God is a reason for joy. We should be excited over the fact that people are praising God. We should be excited over the fact that people are thanking God. And more people are hearing about Jesus. The second principle is a kingdom principle. The tithes and the offerings that we give are going for a greater purpose than just filling a bank account or getting to the end of the year over budget. Okay, we're not a hoarding church. We don't hoard our money in order to have a bigger bank account or just to make budget. Uh, the tithes and offerings that we are give, that we are giving as a church family are going to help people follow Jesus because people need to hear the good news of Jesus. They need to know that he died for their sins. They need to know that they can be saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ that is expressed in belief, repentance, confession, and baptism. That when people get ba- every time somebody gets baptized, okay, I want to tell you what how that came about. It's because you gave, you gave a testimony. Or you gave money towards uh, an outreach program. Or you gave money to the church that was taken and used to do ministry that touched somebody's life. And because their lives were touched, they gave their hearts to Jesus. They got baptized. They're going to heaven. And it's because you gave. It's because you were generous. That's the partnership that you have with God in his kingdom. That every dollar you give goes to help people follow Jesus here at GFCC. And I think that's awesome. I think that's amazing that God will work through our gifts and our tithes and offerings in order to do that. Paul says that because of the gifts that are given, the kingdom grows and people hear the story of Jesus and about his love and that they praise God. And like I said, anything that results in more praise and thanksgiving given to God should make us want to give generously toward him. God generously provides for our needs. The third principle that I want to point out here is that God blesses those who are generous. God blesses those who are generous. 
When we are generous toward God, he generously provides for our needs. And there's, uh, in verse 11, uh, Paul wrote that we are made rich in every way. Now, how many of you want to be made rich in every way? I'll be honest. It's okay. Yeah. Why not? Made rich in every way. But, but wait a minute. See, we think made rich in every way. I'll be driving a Caddy. I'll be driving a Lincoln. I'll have two Mercedes in the garage. You know, I'll be living a house in Florida, a house in Hawaii, a house in Morocco. Uh, I'll be living large, living high in the hog instead of living underneath it. That's not what Paul says. Paul says you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Oh, whoa, 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 what? That means that second house you're going to buy in Florida, that's for somebody else. What do you mean? Uh, Paul says you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. We are blessed to be generous to others. We are blessed to be generous toward God. I believe there are a couple other passages of Scripture that bear this out. In Proverbs 11.25, says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 22.9, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Wait, what? That's what, that's what God says. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what, you will, what will give you pleasure. When we are selfish with the treasure and the blessings God provides, when we are selfish with these things, God will bless that. We are not blessed to bless ourselves. We're not. We're not blessed to bless ourselves. We are blessed to be generous to other people and to God. So I have a question for you. What is the one, this is the last thing on your outline, what is the one thing that is keeping me from being generous? What is the one thing that keeps me from being generous? I believe there are three reasons that we are not generous people. The first is ignorance. I didn't know that God wanted me to be generous. So maybe that's your excuse. Maybe that's why. I didn't know that God wanted me to be generous. Now you know. Now you know. You are without excuse. The challenge for us is to become a generous giver. To generously uh, look at how we can be generous toward God and other people. Uh, you know, like I said, in Second Corinthians, it doesn't have a 10% hard and fast rule of tithing. But it is a good guideline and a great place to start. Maybe that's where you should begin. Or maybe if you do tithe, maybe it's time to increase your tithe. To step out in faith and, and trust God by increasing your tithe by 1% or 2% or 5% or 10% even more. So that you can learn to trust God with what he's given you even more. And that leads to the second reason. A second reason that we may not be generous is because of a lack of faith or a lack of trust in order in for, for God to provide. Let's face it, we get worried that God isn't going to provide for us. That he won't take care of us. And we wonder to ourselves, is God going to come through? Is God going to help me out? Is God going to provide for my needs? The answer to that question is yes. He will. If you will step out in faith and if you will pray for God to increase your faith, he will give you more opportunities to express your faith and to help other people and to, to bless the kingdom. God will provide. So set the amount in your heart of what you will give and dedicate yourself to giving regularly. 
Now, I give online. We have an online giving portal on our website, and uh, I have set the amount in my heart that I want to give and that I give every single week, and it automatically comes out every week when I get paid. On Thursday, I get paid. On Thursday, the money comes out of my checking account uh, into the, to the church's bank account. And some may say, well, you don't have to think about it. It just automatically happens. Trust me, I think about it. Because every Thursday, I get an email at 9 a.m., your tithe went to the church. Thank you for your donation. That's what it says. And it says every single week. So believe me, I think about it. It's like, man, that money could have gone to this. But no, that's money that I've set aside in my heart. And so I don't skip a week. Oh, things are too tight. I can't tithe this week. I don't skip a week. I don't skip two weeks. I don't skip 10 weeks. I give every week because I've set aside that amount in my heart that that's what I'm going to give towards this kingdom. And I thank God for the opportunity to trust him more. And sometimes, you know, I, I want to be generous to his kingdom. I want to be more generous. And so if you find it hard to, to trust God in your giving, and you sometimes skip a week or two, maybe it's time to set up an, an online giving uh, thing for you to do. Uh, and take that recurring step of faith. See Dustin Lukes. Dustin Lukes will help you get set up with that. He knows all the ins and outs, and he will get you set up. It takes, it's real easy. It takes a few minutes, and you'll get set up with online giving, and it'll take it out of your account every single week. And trust me, you will remember. And it will change the way you do your finances because it's about trusting God with what he's given you. The final reason that we don't give generously is we're selfish. Ooh. Go back to number two, Sean. Let's leave number three alone. No, we're selfish. We tend to be selfish people. I don't want to be generous with my treasure. Why not? Well, I, I, I don't want to get to the end of my life sitting on a huge pile of treasure that could have gone to, to, to building God's kingdom, could have gone to helping people follow Jesus. I don't want to sit on a huge pile of treasure at the end of my life knowing that I can't take it with me. And it's not going to do me any good in heaven. God isn't going to, I'm not going to get to heaven. God takes a look at my bank account and goes, well, well done, good job. You died with X amount of dollars in the bank. No. But I want people, I want my life to count for something. I want my life to matter. I want the work I do to matter. I want the, the work, the, the investment of my time and my treasure and my talent to go towards something important, something eternal, something that lasts, so, something so that people know Jesus Christ. And they know that he died for them and that he, they can spend eternity in heaven with him by God's grace through faith in Christ. I don't want to be selfish with my things because they're really not my things. It's God's things that he's letting me use. I don't want to be selfish with that. I want to invest the treasure with which God has blessed me in his kingdom through GFCC so more people hear about the good news of Jesus and can go to heaven. So what's your reason? I've given you three possibilities. What's your excuse for not giving generously? My challenge for you this week is to take some time as you gather with family and friends around the table for, thir for turkey, for turkey, for turkey, as you sit down for Thanksgiving, examine your heart. Consider why or why you don't give. Consider why you give or don't give generously. And examine your heart and say, God, what would you have me do? And how can I be more generous toward the one who's been generous to me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gifts that you give. Because you are a generous God, and you bless us tremendously. You give us all that we have and all that we need. So I pray that you would help us to have this kingdom perspective when it comes to giving. That we would truly want to bless you by blessing your kingdom.
through generous giving. And I pray that you would help us to examine our hearts and to do that which you called us to do, which is to be generous. And thank you for providing for our needs over and over again. We're sorry when we mess up and we're sorry when we don't, uh, when we're not generous and when we hoard and when we are selfish with our treasures. So help us to do better and help us to be thankful for all that you've provided so that we can be generous toward those who need it and toward your kingdom. Thank you for all these gifts. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.